You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Okay, um, Cameron asked us to talk on this particular topic, transitioning your children or ch- transitioning kids to a faith of their own. And I have to say, this is a daunting um, topic because faith is mysterious. I mean, we don't really know how faith grows and develops in one soul from another. So I thought I'm going to start small. And um, the first question I was looking at this title, Transitioning Kids to a Faith of Their Own, my, the first question that came to my mind is, okay, what is faith? Um, and went to the dictionary, and faith is more than belief or intellectual assent. Uh, faith is a belief that trusts in what is believed. Um, if I believe this chair will support my weight, it's when I sit in it and rest in it that I'm really showing faith in the chair. And I can remember we used to have a dean a long time ago who was large. Whoops. Whoops. Sorry, I've got the recorder stuck in my skirt. I thought that was enough, but I think it's a slippery shirt. Yes, I'll, I will. Uh, okay, all right. We had a dean a long time ago who was rather large, and he we were with him at a dinner party. And somebody said, well, why don't you sit here? And he said, no. I don't have faith that that, tr- that chair will support my weight. And so that is faith is believing in something and then trusting in it and resting in it. Um, and I have faith in all sorts of things. As I thought about it, um, I have faith in the yellow line on a road. Um, when I drive, I have no idea who the other driver's on the road, but I take it on faith that I'm going to stay on my side of the road and they're going to stay on their side of the road. I have faith in toothpaste. I don't do a chemical analysis of what's in the tube. I just pick up the tube, put it on my toothbrush, and brush my teeth. I have faith that it's not poison, that it is, in fact, toothpaste. Um, so I think all of us, we all act in faith all the time. So transitioning kids to a faith of their own, if I could write on this board, I'd put a little carrot top because it matters faith in what. What do I want to transition? What faith do I want my kids to transition into? What, what, the faith in what, I think is the really important question. And I think the obvious answer is, well, faith in God. That's a little nebulous, I really think, for our purposes. I think probably more specific is that it would be faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or faith in the saving grace of Jesus. Um, that is what I would want their faith. That's what I would care about with my children. Do they have faith in the saving grace of Jesus? Do they have faith in the good news of Jesus? Um, and you've got a handout, and I've just put in there some of my scripture references and a few other references, um, so you can kind of keep track of this. But scripture defines faith this way. It's in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Um, Luther puts it this way. Faith is a living, bold trust in God's grace. 
So I look at that and I think, okay, what are the things hoped for? What are the things unseen? What is Scripture talking about? What does God's grace really mean? What do we mean by the gospel? What do we mean by the good news? So I'm going to give you all just a few minutes to really stop and think. Um, You've got a piece of paper in front of you. You can turn it over and use the back. Write out what is your understanding. If your child asks you, what's the gospel? What's the good news? What's this thing you want me to have faith in? How would you answer them? If anybody needs a pen, I've got some pens right here. But just take a few minutes, one sentence, maybe two, and just quick definition of what um, the gospel is. Who needs a pen? There you go. Seth? All right. Pass that down to Warren. Anybody else? There we go. Huh? There we go. Hey, Miller, how are you? Good. Anybody else? There you go, Kate. Do you need one? There you go. Anybody else? Grace. There you go. sit where y'all were sitting. I know, I don't know where they came from. Okay, Um, well, if you're sitting here and you're not sure what to write down, what the gospel means, or what saving, what faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ means, you're in good company. Um, God gave Don and I children when we were in our early 20s, Um, and if you had asked me then uh, that question, I couldn't have told you. Um, My faith was kind of a tangled mess of morals, manners, civics, a few Bible stories sprinkled in. Um, We truly grew in in faith alongside our children. Um, We were blessed to move to Birmingham and come to the Advent when we were in our late 20s. And since that time, we've really benefited greatly from the good teaching and preaching um, that's at the Advent. Um, so, let me ask you, for those of you who, who wrote down something, anybody want to volunteer an answer? All right. Um, okay, Andrew.
Lord. Yeah. Revelation that God is God comes to us and with this message of salvation. Uh, I love the verse and you've got it on your handout in Romans five eight. It's kind of a quick uh God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's basically the message of salvation that Andrew was talking about. It is, um, and it has two parts. Uh, that it talks about us, that we are sinners, and it talks about God and His love, um, died for us and secured our salvation. Tim Keller has a shorthand for the gospel that I really like, and it is, still has two parts. We're worse than we think we are, but we're far more loved than we ever dared hope. And that's a simple definition that I can keep in my, and both of those are simple definitions that I can keep in my head. Um, let me give you a little bit of a longer version. Um, first, the, 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 the part about us. Genesis 1 and 2, there was peace between man, woman, and God. Genesis 3, it all goes south. Um, Adam and Eve fall for a lie, and they disobey. And their desire... To be like God um, was at the heart of their disobedience. And that desire to be like God, to set our own rules, our own agendas, go our own way, um, has come down generation after generation after generation. We're all infected with that sinful nature. Um, it's in our DNA, and we have proof positive because all of us in here have had a two-year-old. And that two-year-old at some point, maybe 18 months, maybe a little bit older than two, but at some point will look at you, the person who gives it, he gave it life and nurtured it, and we've done everything for that child. That child will put his hands or her hands on her hips and say, no. That child will also take a toy, grab it to its chest, and say, mine. And refuse to share. Did you teach your children to say no and to say mine? Most of us didn't. It's just in us. And that same spirit of no and mine still resides in each one of us. Uh, it shows itself in different ways. But that nature... We can cover it up and we can disguise it, but that nature is there. We want to be in control, just like our two-year-old. They want to be in control of their little world. Um, and you see it writ large in world history. You see it writ large in the history of the Bible. You see it writ large in your own family and in your own life. Um, if you dig down deep, we're all selfish, and we all want to be God, and we all want to be in control, and we want to do what we want to do, how we want to do it, when we want to do it. And that's the bad news. That's the Tim Keller, we're worse than we think we are. It's the St. Paul's, we are all sinners. Um, that's the bad news, and you have to appreciate that to really appreciate the good news, because there is good news. Beginning in Genesis 3 and throughout the entire Bible, God comes after us. He comes after his lost creation. And there's a promise that's repeated throughout God's word that he will set right what has gone wrong. 
Um, and scripture tells us that when the time had fully come, when all the preparation was complete, God himself came in the person of Jesus. And uh, we read in Philippians that he emptied himself. He took the form of a servant. He was born in our likeness. And he was obedient even to death on the cross. And what we know as Christians is that Jesus on the cross offered himself as a full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And that is the he loves us more than we've ever dared hope. Um, And Jesus is the one to whom all the sacrifices in the Old Testament pointed, to whom the Passover lamb pointed, to whom King David pointed, to whom Moses pointed. And this is the message we hear week after week at the Advent. Um, any, I'm going to stop there. Any questions? Any thoughts? Okay. Um, all right. If I believe the good news, if I believe I'm a sinner, and I believe that despite that, God loves me and gave his life for me, what does it look like to live my life of faith, trusting in that belief? How do I sit and rest in that truth? What does a life of faith look like? What are we, what's the end goal for our children if we're trying to transition them to a faith in the saving grace of God? What does it look like? Um, and I think there's a man um, who can give us a glimpse of what a life of life, faith looks like. And he's someone who would be quite at home in the Advent, a man of influence and power. And he really cares about the people that work for him. He's generous, gives to worthy causes, and he can give us a glimpse of what life looks like when you trust in the grace of Jesus. And we learn about this man in Luke 7. And you've got that in your handout. I'm just going to read it. Now a centurion, and this is a Roman centurion, um had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation And he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to Jesus, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you. But say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under, set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. Turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. 
And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. And um, as I was wrestling with this topic that Cameron gave us, I happened to be reading this passage. And I was really struck with this centurion and how and, and how he gave me a glimpse of what faith looks like. And also how we kind of get a glimpse of what faith doesn't look like. Um, notice at the beginning the religion of barter. Um, which thinks that it can earn God's favor by deeds. Um, think of their appeal, the, 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 the Jewish leaders. He is worthy to have you do this for him, Jesus, um, because he loves our nation, and he's the one who built our synagogue. And that, I think if you went back to my tangled mess of faith when I was in my 20s, I kind of would have thought that's faith. I do these things for God. And he does this for me. It's kind of a, I'm worthy. I've done all these good things. So God, now you need to do this for me. And that is not the, that is not the faith in the saving grace of Jesus. That's not the gospel. And that's not the basis on which the centurion appeals to Jesus. The centurion is, I'm not worthy. And I know that. And I don't presume on any of my good deeds. But Lord, I trust in your authority. I trust in your power. I trust in your ability. I trust in your wisdom. I trust in your goodness. And I trust in your love. And that is the gospel. That is, I'm unworthy. But Lord, I trust in your authority. I trust in your love. That's where I rest, come what may. And that is the picture of faith. That I have the humility. I know I'm not worthy. But I also know and I stand on God's love for me. Even while I'm sinning. That I can stand on that. And the Bible gives us hundreds of pictures of faith like this. And that's always the common denominator. I'm not trusting in myself because I, I'm in a, unable, unable. But Lord, I trust in you. And I'm, Lauren is sitting here and I hate to, to point her out, but I, I think the faith, the, what a picture of faith is Lauren and Cameron at a really different, just standing on, God, I trust you. I don't understand, but I trust you. And that's the faith that we really want to transition our children to is standing in that gospel of grace that we get from Jesus Christ. Um, so, all this is a backdrop um, to this question. How do we transition kids, our kids, to a living, bold faith in God's grace? I have no idea. <laughs> um, I, I just I, I, there is such there's such a mystery about how faith grows in an individual soul um, there's a passage in Mark 4 that I put down on your sheet and I really was thinking about this yesterday This um, and Jesus said this is what the kingdom of God is like a man scatters seed on the ground. 
Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts, grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. How faith grows is a mystery. And I do think as parents, we kind of have to bow before that mystery. We don't know. We, we, we scatter the seed in our children's life. And we don't know exactly when that is going to, what's going to happen when it's buried deep in the soil of the soul of your child. Um, you know, we may plant seeds as a parent that other people will water, um, but God will give the growth. And I, so I'm really proceeding with a lot of caution and a lot of humility. Um, I can, um, I, I will give you what I have, but, you know, take it with every, every person is different. Um, and I really, as I thought about this, is, again, I thought I'd start small, and I know this sounds silly, but my starting point was, well, my children have the same faith in that yellow line in the road, and they have the same faith in toothpaste that I have. So how did that happen? How did they, how did that happen? How did, how did that faith get transferred? And as I thought about it, it's a combination of observation, instruction and experience and you know as take the yellow line my kids watched me and Don as we drove our cars and we stayed on our side of the road and other drivers stayed on their side of the road when they were older they took driver's ed um, and learned the rules of the road um, and then they had you know behind the wheel training and they kind of took that yellow line on faith um, and although transitioning our kids to a faith in the saving grace of Jesus may seem more daunting than giving them faith in the yellow line, the principles might be the same. Um, that it's observation, instruction, and experience. And they're all kind of woven together. Um, and this is one thing I do know. That if you want your children to have faith, in the saving grace of Jesus Christ, the best thing you can do, the number one thing you can do is, any guesses? Pray. Pray. What? Believe. Pray. Believe. Anything else? Have faith. Have faith. Yeah. It is model. It is pray, believe, have faith yourself, model, Don. I'll answer. Work on your own faith. Yes, work on your own faith. It's kind of the AA principle. You can't impact somebody else. The only person you can impact is yourself. Uh, it's the airline model. When the uh, oxygen tanks come down from the ceiling, what are we supposed to do as parents? Yeah, put it on ourselves, and then we can take care of our children. We We have to work on our own faith. Because that speaks volumes to our children. More is caught than taught. And our children are always paying attention to what's important to us. Um, I was going to show, but I can't because of technology. There was an old commercial um, from the 60s. And it was an anti-smoking commercial. And it was a dad and his son. 
and the dad is there washing the car and the son is there washing the wheel of the car. The dad is driving down the road. This is before car seats and the son is in the front seat and he's in a little seat that has a little wheel and he's driving the car. The dad sticks his arm out. The little boy sticks his arm out. They're walking down the road. The dad picks up a rock and throws it. The little boy picks up a rock and throws it. And then they sit under, the dad sits under the tree. The dad sits, the little child sits next to him. And then in the commercial, the the dad pulls out a pack of cigarettes and lights it and puts the pack down and the little boy's eyeing the pack of cigarettes. And it, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's supposed to catch you with guilt. Um, (laughs) but it's a true picture that our kids, you know, they really do watch us. And I think if we have that genuine, like Don and I in our 20s, we didn't know, we were really, we really grew in faith with our kids. And we just had a hunger and thirst um, once we got here and our children started asking us questions that we couldn't answer. So we, that's what we did. We doubled down on working in our own faith. St. Paul writes in Romans, faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. And this is something else we've always, we have always been in church on Sundays. Um, It puts us in a position to hear. It puts our children in a position to hear. Um, Being active in our church family put us in the position where there were other people of faith in our children's lives. The other couples in our small group, Victor's one of them, had a huge impact on our children um, growing up, as did their Sunday school teachers. Uh, Sarah Jane Ball is still beloved by my children when she taught them when they were three. Um, the youth ministers at the Advent, there were parachurch ministries that we availed ourselves of, like Young Life and First Priority. Um, camp for our family, Camp Alpine and Camp DeSoto, I'll put in a plug, was really formative for our children. Um, and woven into all of these relationships with people of faith was a lot of intentional instruction. I don't know if you really appreciate how well thought out and intentional our Sunday school curriculum is for children. The second handout that you have is just a real quick um, kind of look at what we teach children in elementary school. And... I just thought you need to see that. You, you know, when you're not here on church on Sunday, your kids are missing out on this instruction, um, and missing out on an opportunity to hear. So, um, we found being in church on Sundays was really important. Um, experience. Let's talk, that's kind of observation, instruction, and now experience. You know, at some point, you will stand if you haven't already, and in the driveway and watch your child at age 16 drive off without you. And you will, you will pray. <laughs> um, because that's, it's just, they're, they're off on their own. Um, and I think it's the same thing with faith. You know, that it's a gradual transition, but you get to a point where their faith is their own and you pray. Um, and their faith becomes their faith, I think, at different points in time. 
Um, for some people, it's early. I mean, they just see the beauty and the wonder of creation. And that, um, it becomes their faith. Uh, it, it, faith can come when they see God answer their prayer. I was talking to a friend, just kind of walking, batting the idea of this class behind. And she said, you know, one of the things that formed my faith was when I had lost something that I needed. And my mother said, well, let's pray about it. And we did. And they found it. You know, God will answer prayers. And I think sometimes as parents, we kind of don't want to um, put God to the test. But God, God loves our children more than he loves us. I mean, more than we love them. Um, some people, their faith becomes their own when they really start to understand their own actions and the actions of others through the lens of the gospel. Um, then they really do have that awareness for themselves that I'm worse than I thought I was. I'm more selfish. I'm more greedy. Um, I'm more indifferent than I thought I was. Um, and yet God still loves me. And when they when they get both of those facts in their head, they really um, that faith becomes their own. I really truly think nothing prepares a child for life in the world than a good understanding of Genesis three, when they really start to see um, all the effects of the fall, how we're quick to blame others, how we have this need to kind of cover up and make ourselves look better than they are. Um, how there is animosity between mother, uh, I mean husband and wife. How there's enmity between brothers. There's a lot to understanding the world through the lens of uh, Genesis three and through the lens of the saving gospel of Jesus. Um, children, it can become their faith when they need to be forgiven by someone and experience grace. Um, Don taught me this, that sometimes you have to practice what is my response to, hey, mom, dad, I'm pregnant. Or, hey, mom, dad, I'm addicted. Or, hey, mom, dad, I got, I got caught cheating at school. And you want, we wanted our first response to be, we love you. We will do what we can to support you, and let's talk. But we wanted the first words out of our mouth to be, we love you. And that is that being loved when you don't deserve being loved is powerful. And that's the power of the gospel. And that's what we want our kids to know, that we love you, come what may. And we really did. We kind of had to practice because we wanted that to be our first response. I mean, as goofy as that sounds, um, we wanted that to be our first response. Um, we can do everything right and see no evidence of faith. Um, and I think when that happens, we have to hold on to a couple of truths. One is the development of faith is like the seed, it takes place deep within the heart. You have no idea what is going on in their hearts, really and truly. And they are paying more attention to you than you think they are. So the seeds that you've planted may take a while to to, to, to develop, but they're there. 
It can be a slow process. It can take time. And I think we do have to remember that God loves our children more than we do. Um, our children's faith is really their, their own affair. But there are two things that we can do no matter how old or how distant um, they are. One is to continue working on our own faith. And two is to pray. Um, there are so many testimonies that credit the prayers of their mom or the prayers of their dad. And that, to me, is really encouraging. I know somewhere, and I hope I get to see them in heaven, somebody prayed for me when I was a child. You know, there was a little child in school that didn't have a mother, and somebody took it on their heart to pray for me. And I'm so thankful they did. So we can pray for our kids, but we can also be looking for the children that are in our, that are friends of our children, our, our children, and pray for them. There's so many people um, that need prayer, and that is powerful. And so I, whoever it was that prayed for me, I'm so thankful. Um, it's, and I think that is, you know, the, there's such power there, and we don't avail ourselves of it. Um, and I thought from that Luke 7 passage, that formed a great prayer for me. You know, when I can come before the Lord and say, Lord, I know I am not worthy. But Lord, I trust in your authority. I trust in your power, your goodness, your love um, for this child. And, you know, that's, that's enough um, for our children. And um, little faith in Jesus is saving faith. Um, but there's more faith to be had. And that's the faith that Lauren and Cameron had, that, that strengthens you, um, that makes you glad, that makes you um, strong. Um, to take from Andrew's sermon, in the furnaces of life, because we all go through them, and our children will go through them. Um, but hanging on to having faith, in the saving grace of Jesus is what we want for ourselves and what we want for our children. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.